there's always a FinReg Angle, the podcast providing you with the latest news and commentary on financial regulation. Brought to you by Global Custodian. Hello and welcome to the third episode of season three of There's Always a FinReg Angle. I'm John Watkins, Managing Editor of Global Custodian, and I'm joined virtually as always by a pair of FinReg experts, Sean Tuffy and Virginia O'Shea. Hi both. Afternoon. Hi there. Hey, good to have everyone back. You know, I, I feel like we're moving closer to that in-person podcast we've talked about uh, quite a lot over the last couple of years. Sean, you've been to London lately, haven't you? Yeah, I was there uh, about a month ago. It was, it was good to uh, it was good to be back. It was good to sort of in-person meetings. Turns out they're they're good. So it was nice. It was nice to get back to London. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> Two years of saying that uh, you know virtual meetings could replace in person and uh you know we're all back for a month and go, ah, this this is why these happened in the first place <laughs> you um sean you've been back to events as well or just meetings um it's low, events in dublin i have I, I missed conference season this year but yeah been been out about a little bit and it's the same i think you go to you guys have been to a number of conferences i'm sure and you've had the same feeling but it's it's almost like you know like everyone's back after summer vacation or school back from school break everyone's just kind of excited to be back uh and out which is great it, it is yeah and yeah, luckily we hosted a conference at global custodian and we had our big awards night and a, a panel discussion before and it was the same kind of buzzy vibe everyone was, was really happy and uh, virginia i've bumped into you at a couple of events as well so i assume you've been to quite a few lately yeah and i've been to a lot of meetings in the city i just can't get over how busy the city is it's back to normal actually like crowded queues outside of Lyon and <laughs> press and everything it's like it's really bizarre but it, it's nice but it's yeah I just didn't expect that. <laughs> that that's good we're really worried about you know the future of Prisa Manger for a while you know couldn't couldn't see a good brand like that go go downhill but um, <laughs> yeah so I, I was yeah, done a few events and I flew out to fund forum the other day and uh, sure when you flew over did you did you have to wear a mask on the plane? Yeah, we were still masking the planes, but not in the airport. So it was uh, not the worst, though. Um, it does get tiresome yeah. after a while, for sure. What about you? We, we, I was on a flight and they asked us to hold uh, or have our masks around our wrists just to show that we had them, but we didn't actually have to wear them. And I've heard that from That's... a couple of other people. <laughs> That's super weird. I mean, I, yeah. when I flew to Stockholm, yeah. you definitely had to have your mask on, and and if you took it off for you know to take a drink, that they were straight on you. The the um, <coughs> the air was it Nor- Norwegian air? Yeah, they were super strict. Um, okay, well, I, I feel like I shouldn't name the uh, airline now that that asked me to put, have my mask around my wrist. <laughs> <laughs> so uh look it's been a couple of months since we last checked in and did a podcast and there's there's been quite a few things happening nothing major major i'd say so i thought what we do today is have an episode called cleaning out the notebook and it's just a chance to go around and talk about some of the things we've seen over the last couple of months some of the some of the developments or maybe just some thoughts you've had over the last couple of months and you know i i'll start by saying that i was at fun forum last week which was I, my first time at Fun Forum, I thought it was a brilliant event, amazing people, interesting mix as well, fantastic networking opportunities. But most of the discussions were just going over old ground, same challenges, same conversations. It was data, it was tech, it was ESG. And the ESG discussions were so hard to, to, to watch and, and listen to. Um, the, the cluelessness, for lack of a kinder way of putting it, of, of some asset managers about ESG 
you know, meanwhile, I, I still get stories and launches and press releases every day about new SG products, but the asset managers are so confused by it, don't know how to use it, complain about the data, the regulations, I know we've got the tax on me, still aren't there. It was just, it was mind boggling. And also the other thing is during the pandemic, we kept talking about the S and the G were coming to, to prominence. And now all everyone talks about is the E and that's it. So that was my observation. I had to rant about it. It's, I just can't believe how <laughs> progress has happened on a topic that's been talked about for, for years and years and years. I mean, we're used to it in the security as well because things move very slowly, but this is bigger than that. And this is climate change. And I cannot believe how little progress has been made. So I don't know if either of you had a similar thought or <laughs> told me to calm down. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the ESG is interesting. I think a lot of people, and I probably put myself in this bucket, had a lot of hope for SFDR and the taxonomy to really sort of be a catalyst for a sort of a sea change. But I don't think that's happened the way policymakers certainly had hopes. And now when you listen to the ESAs and ESMA in particular, they're actually tremendously worried that the SFDR, which was looking to eliminate greenwashing, might have actually sort of entrenched greenwashing uh, through its sort of categorization mechanisms of Article 8 versus Article 9. So I actually think this is going to be something the policymakers are going to spend a lot of time on picking in the next 12 to 18 months, because I think you're right that ESG is focused on E, and I think it's still far too many asset managers don't understand that, certainly from a European perspective, it's expected that it's everyone's responsibility, regardless of their investment strategy. Yeah. And I think the greenwashing thing, it's still there, isn't it? The, the fear of greenwashing or being accused of greenwashing is so serious. You, you know, with the different articles that, that people list their funds as, they're probably, you know, scaling back almost just so they don't get criticism on, on, on greenwashing. And yeah, it's very that's, murky. That, that's what they're calling green bleaching now, right? Where right. you, instead of, you know, fear of greenwashing means that you actually don't, even though your funds have some aspects of ESG and possibly could be categorized as ESG, you don't try to categorize them as such because you're afraid that you'll be accused by the regulator of, of greenwashing or by the market, I guess. So <clears throat> it's sort of like a backlash against it. And then you've got the anti-ESG mob in the US in particular, <laughs> which is another interesting yeah. development. With sin yeah. stocks and all that. Yeah. I mean, I think partly this is like the policymakers aren't blameless. Like pushing SFDR through last year without level two guidance has turned out as one would have predicted. So I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of interpretation left up to national regulators and quite frankly to the industry. And without that guideline, I think you've seen sort of a, a, a very disparate uh, application of the rule set. So I think that. You know, SFD, since we last spoke, SFDR was uh, level two was finalized. So hopefully, we'll start moving towards a little more harmonization. But I still think somehow, John, I agree with you that we seem farther away from than we were a couple of years ago. I'll uh, take a step back for the next one then. Jenny, um, <laughs> cleaning out the notebook. What uh, what do you got? What do you want to talk about? Um, I mean, well, we can't not talk about crypto from my perspective. I guess <laughs> have to. I mean, it's been an interesting couple of weeks from that perspective. Um, obviously, seeing the markets going up and down, uh, everything to do with all the regulators going, "Oh, what's an algorithmic stablecoin?" Um, <laughs> actually, uh, there's an interesting sort of um, comment from this guy on Twitter. I was just looking at um, who was who was commenting on what's been going on in DC. 
um, he's a, a lawyer up there, and he was saying that there's been a lot of meetings um, and, and con- Congress have been talking about different bills, but um, nobody really had singled out algorithmic um, Bitcoin, not Bitcoins, uh, cryptocurrencies yeah. uh, as different as uh, different from others. So it, it's interesting that it, they kind of seem to creep under the under the <laughs> under the purview of the the regulators. They just didn't get flagged as being potentially dangerous. Um, obviously, there are risks with all cryptocurrencies. I would like to point out, but uh, certainly um, there are differences between all of them and the way that they're sort of <clears throat> crafted. Uh, in in various manners, so uh, it's interesting to see that and how quickly will regulators there be able to jump on this, and will they jump on this is yeah. another one because we've got you know um, an election coming up, <laughs> we haven't got long before that, and everybody's got a lot of different priorities coming, and, and and they're thinking about all these other things. So how quickly they'll get a bill through on this topic, if they do, is is another sort of big question. So um, we'll see on that front. Yeah, and, and I heard uh, so the head of State Street Digital, Nadine Shakar, she was saying that actually in some ways this could be a good thing that's happened to the stable coins because it might you know, hurry up the, the regulation, and uh, which was an, an interesting angle and nice to see some silver linings with, <laughs> with all this as well. But, and did you see, Virginia, the, about the same time, did you see this thing with Coinbase where they just kind of said in their quarterly results that you know, if, if, if we go bankrupt, you know, you lose all your money. Yes. I mean, it was in the, it was in the fine print, wasn't it? Um, yeah. But certainly, yes, at the back of the, at the back of their, uh, their documents, um, yeah. it kind of got pointed out to me. And I thought, oh, that's an interesting tactic. You know, obviously, um, you have no protections. And, and to be fair, they're not regulated in that way. So, I mean, they can get away with what they like, to be, to be fair at the moment. So, um it's interesting also seeing the backlash from from what's happened um, with Luna. Um, some of the uh, sort of crypto community asking whether there could be some insurance from FDIC and, and some backing there. Yes. You know, it's a bit late for that. Uh, we haven't really got the FinReg um, sorted out yet. So, uh, you know, they can, they can wait for that. Uh, but as an unregulated entity and, and uh, well, relatively unregulated, I guess, comparative to some other products. I, I, I know that there's regulation that's existing that can be applied to mm-hmm. crypto. But um, certainly there's there's sort of uh, a degree of the Wild West, as Gary Gensler still uses the uh, analogy of. Yeah, well, look, it was in the fine print, but as someone that presses control F and writes in custody on every document I ever see, I'm always going to find that. <laughs> Can't hide it. Yeah, it's certainly been a week for, for that area. And uh, Sean, what about you? What's what's in the notebook? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you looked at a bunch, a bunch of key stuff has happened since we spoke last. I mean, I think, imagine SFDR level two was finished. There's the, the PRIPS level two was finalized. So, you know, these are the big implementations for asset managers are finally being sort of locked down. I think the the two interesting things, I suppose, that have popped up that we wouldn't have necessarily expected. Um, so the issue of side pockets has become kind of a, a, a top level concern for uh, policymakers and asset managers in light of the sort of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. <clears throat> so interesting, the FCA about three weeks ago proposed, put out a consultation about the possibility of creating side pockets to deal with uh, Russian, Ukrainian, and Belarusian assets. And actually, just this morning, the Central Bank of Ireland issued guidance, um, essentially saying they will now have a approval process um, for Irish assets 
uh, that want to use side pockets to, to deal with assets that have been sort of greatly impaired because of uh, events in Ukraine. So I think that's moved quite quickly since we last spoke. So I think that's something uh, a lot of people will be dealing with. And I think then the other sort of interesting thing is sort of the UK and uh, EU sort of diverging a little more deliberately these days on FinReg. So especially when you look at the, the PRIPs that I mentioned, uh, HMT has come out and said they're going to sort of essentially completely redo the PRIPs kid, but in the interim, they're removing the, the future performance calculations from the document, which means rather confusingly, we're going to have two versions of the PRIPs kids, which we'll call the, the original version from the EU and the sort of new version from the UK that don't line up and just going to make life a little more difficult for those doing cross-border fund distribution. I hope so. you're going to write an article saying new kids on the blog. Come on, you've got to. <laughs> well, no, I know I have to, absolutely. <laughs> Wait, no, Sean, didn't you go for another one? I'm sure I saw a headline. Wasn't it the kids aren't all right? <laughs> the kids aren't all right. Yeah, no, that was yeah. my last one. But now I'm going to have to steal new kids on the blog. That's awesome. <laughs> all our listeners, send in your uh, suggestions for Sean's uh, kids. kids <laughs> <part>. <laughs> Virginia, any comments on that or, or anything else in, in, in your notebook that we haven't discussed already? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, no, no sort of things on the side pockets. Obviously, I don't think side pockets have been extensively used yet um, from, from the perspective of Russian assets. But uh, it's interesting to see that. And obviously, the UK consulting on it first um, and, and waiting for public consultation on the topic. So it'll be interesting to see the, the feedback they get. Um, but but from the, the perspective of FinReg in the EU, I guess, um, I'm always banging on about Dora the Explorer, but um, Esma put out another sort of um, analysis uh, calling for um, cloud services providers to be um, heavily regulated, more heavily regulated again. So, I mean, they, they've, they've been doing comments on this for quite a while. Um, I'm calling it Cora the Restorer um, because they want um, backup cloud services providers uh, essentially so I, th I think what the upshot of all of this stuff is going to be is that you're going to have multi-cloud for the large financial institutions and for the vendors they'll be forced into having multi-cloud setups and for smaller providers if you've got stuff on-prem you're going to have to have a backup in the cloud so it's going to be really good business for all the cloud services providers so I'm sure they're all sort of sitting there <laughs> rubbing their hands together because this is good for them um, if nothing else. When you say all of them is that three well yes um that's true there is only i mean there's only three large ones there are smaller ones though yeah. um you know there's ibm not everyone mm. overlooks them but they are out there yeah is that what ibm does these days <laughs> supposedly <laughs> yeah that's, that's interesting stuff and uh you know for me I, I think the only other thing i have was um there's been a lot of talk about the the comment windows from the sec and, and sean and virginia you know you've both been doing this longer than i have maybe this has been brought up before but there's obviously a lot come out in the Gensler regime in a very short space of time. And it's always is a you know, four or eight week window, whatever, whatever it might be. And it's clearly never quite enough. And when those windows are extended, that's where you tend to see the, the bulk of the comments come in. So some are extended, some aren't. But I think it, I think it was SIFMA. Maybe I should check that before we, we publish this. But that the put an open letter out to say, you know, come on, ex extend these. It wasn't just them. I think there was a group of associations um, yeah. calling for comment periods to be longer because it's not just the, the length of the period. It's also the fact they're publishing loads at once. 
because obviously yeah. SEC's got such an aggressive agenda this year that they're just shoving stuff out the door as they've finished it in yeah. the different groups. Um, and um, and FYI, they've, they've also staffed up to add 50 more people to look on look at crypto. So expect more stuff coming out on that topic as well um, in terms of consultation, period, you know, sort of um, comments, you know, requests for proposal from the public and requests for comments on uh, various proposals, I mean. But... Um, I think it's just too much for them to, to digest. I mean, I know we're used to it in the EU because Esma puts out a different Q&A every day, I think, um, mm-hmm. sometimes multiple. But it's that, that sort of velocity and volume of FinReg is, is unusual for the US, uh, particularly when, you know, there's been a bit of tumbleweed blowing past in previous years. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I, I think, you know, it's, it's easy to dismiss industry association claims um, as being somewhat self-serving, which obviously they are to an extent, but I think I think there's a point here. I mean, I think if you look, at, and these aren't minor changes that are being proposed by the SEC. You know, they're fundamental ESG, be it ESG, be it securities lending regulation, or you know, be it private fund disclosure. These are pretty fundamental changes to how mm-hmm. some parts of the marketplace operate. So, 30-day comment periods are a little aggressive and i think some of them actually have it all kicked out but i think this is a, a a very valid criticism i think part of it for what virginia said is that it's just genzer has a lot on his plate while he's also firefighting um some of the crypto stuff out there so i think it's just trying to get all get through that agenda is leading to this sort of breakneck pace which i don't think leads to good regulation so like hopefully they do sort of take a pause um, on some of the stuff to think it through a little more. They, they really need the comments from the industry because, I mean, that helps shape sensible, or not always sensible, but more more sensible regulation um, because, you know, otherwise they're, they're going, they can go off-piste, um, as, as has happened in many times where we've had to have revisions. I mean, that's basically why the ESMA Q&As exist, right, to update things that they got wrong to begin with. Um, for example, right. so I mean, certainly, yeah, we we need to have set more sensible regulation at the start instead of having to implement something that doesn't make any sense and spending money on it and then having to revise it and spend more money on it. Mm, right, because otherwise you end up like CSDR in the EU, which we all knew was a mistake when they brought it in, and we're still mm-hmm. firefighting that in the background. That's true, although it's gone quiet over recent weeks. I must admit, I haven't heard too much. Yeah, no, I haven't heard anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there have been some comment letters put in around the consultations, but I think it's all, I still maintain the commission is trying to find a way to back away from mandatory buy-ins without backing away from mandatory buy-ins. I just don't know how they're going to do it. The first rule of mandatory buy-ins is you do not talk about mandatory buy-ins. <laughs> I mean, actually, this brings to mind nothing to do with CSDR, but it brings to mind another sort of comment um, period that's just gone. It was on cybersecurity in the U.S., and the reporting there was like, I mean, I can't remember the, the, the time frame to do reporting about um, cyber attacks, but it was pretty aggressive. And, and I think there's been a lot of feedback on that topic from the industry about, you know, that's unrealistic um, from a practical perspective of sharing information about, you know, threat sharing information. And, um, you know, they've pushed back on the regulator to try and come together with other regulators so there's some degree of consistency across the globe. Because, I mean, if you think about it, cybersecurity really is is borderless, right? All these attacks are coming from different countries. They're not coming from just the US Um, and likewise in other countries. So um, it really does make more sense for for, um, regulators to be talking to each other. And there's also international bodies 
that um, help with threat sharing information and setting, setting standards and things like FSI's app and all that kind of stuff. So it, it makes more sense for them to be working with them and, and drafting um, gu- sensible guidelines. But I, thus far, it seems like it's it's been, uh, I don't know, <clears throat> overlooked or, or not properly um, drafted from my perspective. Yeah, I was listening to a panel the other day and I think a lot of people say these, you know, how many attacks they get per hour or per day. But one of the asset managers said 18 a minute, mm-hmm. I think it might have been. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, yeah, maybe maybe someone like City, Sean, is a you know, sort of big institutions are used to those kind of numbers and threats. But just, yeah, I mean, we have a, like, I forget the number because it's in our training material, but we have a staggering amount on a, yeah. on a given day. Yeah. Incredible. And I'm sure all these things have only gone up uh, this year as well and, and during the pandemic. Yeah. But, um, well, good. Look, uh, I think that was a, a pretty good exercise. We got through a lot in a, in a short space of time. Well, I say short space of time, but I'm, I'm now told that our optimal podcast time is, is 20 minutes. That's when we're getting the, uh, <laughs> the most listens. So we're, we're at a good point to, to wrap up. So, um, you know, thanks to you both, as always, for, for your thoughts. Um, Sean, where can we find your work? As always, uh, please check out uh, Securities Services Insights on the City ICG website. Come for the come for Sean's insights. Stay for the puns. Um, some good ones in there. <laughs> Any, uh, what uh, what are you working on at the moment, and where can we find your work? Yep, you can find my stuff as usual on www.fintechfirebrand.com, and you can follow on at fintechfire on Twitter or at Virginia O'Shea. And I'm working on a whole host of different things. I'm actually working on a sort of big post trade piece at the moment, looking towards the future. So um, that should be interesting, hopefully. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, to, to this audience, absolutely. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. And, you know, I should plug that uh, GC is running a podcast now in association with Swift. Uh, we're having an episode a month covering a, a whole range of things, mostly leading up to the, the annual Cybos event. And the latest episode we've just published is a chat on CSDR, settlement efficiencies and the use of UTIs and securities. That was with Matt Johnson of the DTCC. So if you're on our podcast section, do check out that episode. Uh, But for now, thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next episode. You were listening to There's Always a Finreg Angle podcast from Global Custodian. Stream on Google and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or catch up wherever you get your podcasts from. You were listening to There's Always a Finreg Angle podcast from Global Custodian. Stream on Google and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or catch up wherever you get your podcasts from.